All right, and welcome to MatchCast. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We are very excited today to be joined by friend of the pod, Ryan Evans. Uh, Ryan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Ryan is the co-founder of Tend.io, which is an analytics software we'll hear more about later in the pod. We met Ryan, I think, through a mutual friend, Casey Meehan. And Ryan's been around the digital marketing world in Chicago for some time now. And uh, we just started bumping into each other at places Apart from a couple of planned times over the years where we'd grab a lunch or whatever, there are just too many times we're running into each other either at events or literally on the street in the same neighborhood. So happy to uh, formalize this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a small world. It, it absolutely is. So we're going to talk about analytics, specifically some things that are going on in cross-device analytics and people analytics. But let's start with the big picture. Ryan, why do analytics matter? Why should we care about this? And then a uh, second part of that question is, is given that it matters, what is it that needs to be improved and what is it that's still missing in most people's and most businesses' approach to analytics? If you talk to most people, and uh, as you know, back in the day, I had a small agency. And whenever we took on a client and kind of dug into the project, the conversation would always go something like this. I'd say, all right, we're ready to make you rich. Um, but before we do that, uh, let's just take a look at where we're at. Uh, what uh, what kind of things are you doing? And they'd say, oh, well, you know, we're doing some Google AdWords and we're blogging and, you know, we're doing some Facebook ads. And I'd say, okay, that's great. And then I'd say, uh, you know, so what's what's working best for you? And that's usually where they'd say, they just kind of reiterate what they, what they just told me. Well, we're doing some AdWords and we're uh, blogging. And I'm like, uh, yeah, right, right, right. But what do you find kind of is working or where, you, where do you have success? And they had no idea usually. And almost all of those folks had Google Analytics installed on their site. It's just that they don't look at it. And I'm sure you, you see this all the time too. And it's not that uh, they don't want to know what's going on. It's just that Google Analytics for most people kind of presents things in a a very deep, very robust, very powerful way. But for a lot of folks, it's overwhelming and they don't know where to start. They don't have the, a lot of times, like the level of understanding to even get into what they need to look at. And they don't know how to set things up properly. You know, they don't know what they're looking for. And if they did, they wouldn't know exactly how to instruct someone to, to set that up. So that's kind of the biggest problem is that just most people have no idea what's going on. And so what we set out to solve is to make that really easy, where you can just copy and paste the code into your site. You didn't need a programmer. You didn't need to have really any kind of forethought into things that you wanted to track or things that you wanted to think about. You just copy and paste and then open it up. And we wanted to provide kind of an intuitive understanding of, of what was going on. So that's, that's kind of what we did. Got it. Sounds great. So, I mean, as far as GA goes, we see that all the time. Um, people either don't know exactly what they're measuring or what they're looking at, and then they don't know how much confidence they should or could have in, in what the outcome is because they don't even really know what it is that they're tracking. And then let's say that you've worked with somebody who's an expert or you're, or you're pretty technical yourself and you do understand exactly what you're measuring. Even in that case, 
we in our professional work with clients can sometimes struggle with like attribution. Are we talking about because Google Analytics is session based? So it's like, oh, is this the last? We're just we're just getting the last click right before the purchase. What about all the things that maybe happened over the last six months that we're never going to know? Because their friend mentioned to mentioned this business to them at dinner, and then they saw it on a CTA, you know, ad, and then they saw a Facebook ad, and then they got a new phone, and they clicked a Facebook ad once and bought the thing. It's like, oh, Facebook ad purchase. So that can be really hard to figure out. And if you look into analytics, you start thinking all those things as a business owner. You have so much else to do, and you're like, I don't even know what this is telling me. The person said they clicked a Facebook ad. I get it. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why I need this. Yeah, I mean, this, this is another kind of thing that bothers me a bit about Google Analytics. And the way I sort of explain this is that if Google Analytics were explaining, you know, say the book Moby Dick to you, it would explain it like uh, Moby Dick has 500 and some pages. The average words on the page are X and the average time it takes people to, to read the book is Y. And, you know, it has this sentence structure and it could tell you everything about Moby Dick in excruciating detail and really analyze it. And yet you would have no idea what the story is about. So you'd have no idea, like, you know, kind of the arc of the story. And so that is essentially what attribution is. And a lot of people try to get very scientific with attribution and that definitely has its place. But this is where people really, it really breaks down for folks is what we set out to do is kind of just explain the story. Okay. So this person originally came from, let's say, a Facebook ad. They looked at your site. They clicked on a few of these pages. They left. Uh, they came back from a retargeting ad. Uh, they signed up for your newsletter. And, you know, they finally, then they Googled you and it converted either into a, as a client or a, a customer. And then after that, they did exhibited these behaviors. Maybe they were on your site a lot. Uh, maybe they weren't, and then they canceled a few months later, or they weren't a great client. We try to tie that entire story together, and that's just, you know, the fancy word for that is attribution. And if you if you have lots and lots of data, if you're a big company, um, you'll want to dig into a lot of those, like, numbers and kind of see that. For most of our folks, when they sign up, they as soon as they see those profiles, they see the people, they see the timeline, they understand where folks came from, they have an intuitive grasp of the attribution. They say, oh, that makes sense. You know, people came from this and then they clicked on, you know, they came from a Facebook ad and they clicked on this post and then they end up, you know, being customers. Okay, I can kind of see that. I can kind of understand that. And that's how we try to uh, explain attribution. I mean, we allow people to group their contacts by different things, say, here are your customers. Now, here's a kind of a, a simple scan of their story. And then if you want to dig into it a little bit, you can. But attribution is vitally important, no matter how you look at it, because that's actually how people buy. So there's a misconception, and I think it's perpetuated by the old sort of AdWords stories of people would say, hey, I got 10 cent clicks, and you know people would convert, and I would make a bunch of money. But that is very rarely the case that you'll find one channel or one single thing that drives a conversion right to a sale. Right. It's like the marketing one-on-one story where you have to like touch somebody six times before they buy. That's right. That's absolutely right. And so it's important to, since that's actually how people buy, it's important to sort of look at it in that context as much as you can, understand that story. You know, so if you have... Uh, just simple things like, hey, this ad is driving a lot of traffic, 
but when you but it's not converting but when you combine that ad with say this retargeting idea or this series of emails or whatever it is that you're doing then it actually does convert and and that's really where you can get a lot of power and a lot of insight is just kind of constructing that whole timeline uh and and kind of seeing what what works because you know one click close doesn't really it, it doesn't work and that's how a lot of things are displayed like if you see things in a table you'll see the different traffic sources and the conversions but the story usually is much more complex than that yeah and then you see all the say adwords clicks or the facebook ad clicks kind of what you're looking for maybe we're looking for is this sort of agency that might be running those ads but then you just see all this direct and organic traffic, which organic traffic and direct traffic, of course, is wonderful. Uh, but a lot of times that's because they saw something else along the way as we're kind of positing that most purchases are multi-visit purchases. And so attribution is kind of a fancy word. We talk a lot about analytics as being cross-device or not. But really, when you simplify it, and this is what we like about Tend a lot, is it is really simple. And I think what you were getting at, Ryan, is it's just people-based. You see the person and you're like, Let's start with this person. How many times did they visit the site? What pages did they see? When did they come back? You know, it's just really interesting to see. And we have some clients that, that whether it's Tend or other cross-device analytics tools that we use sometimes, it's just really interesting to see when you see somebody buy something that is responding to an ad that we ran. And then, you know, this is now February. And then we'll say, oh, whoa, they also visited in October. And like this client I have in mind is like almost purely paid traffic. So it's surprising to us and to them that someone who visited six months ago is now clicking an ad and coming back. But without this kind of people-based analytics, you would never know that. You just assume click by, click by, or not. That, that's right. That's the more common case of, of, the, of the universe, right? I mean, people will be introduced to something and talk about it for years and then finally you know, make a purchase or make a recommendation. And when you see that organic uh, search traffic or the direct traffic, those people had to know about you somehow, right? So it's really, usually if there's a conversion there, that's just the last step of, of the process. You're just missing the story, you know, before that. So the, the more you can construct that and even, even just think about it, I mean, as an agency, you know, if you're driving awareness for clients, you know, the more sophisticated clients understand that awareness is valuable, that getting someone's attention and, you know, having them think about you is extremely valuable. Uh, a sh more short-sighted approach is, hey, you know, we've gotten all this traffic from Facebook, but, you know, I don't see any conversions, you know, two days after you've, you've done this campaign. And it's like, well, yeah, because <laughs> that's just the first part of the process. You know? right. And then Facebook and AdWords and a lot of other tools like Tend are giving us more tools to understand that picture and kind of tease it out. Thinking about Facebook ads in particular, as they're launching things just in the last couple months that allow us to retarget website traffic by people who spent, you know, who are in the group of top 25% time on site. And so now you're starting to build more of a story and a, you can kind of sequence or daisy chain ads together based on the fact that they visited last month or didn't, or based on the fact that they watched your video to the end or just skipped it right away. So we we're doing a lot of people who watch 75% or 90% of a video as an introduction, as a first piece of awareness of your business. And then if they watch 75% of it, you can show them something else. And so having analytics that shows what's happening on your website and then to be able to segment and reach people based on those sorts of behaviors 
is uh, is really key to be able to kind of handhold the person along through their consideration of your product or service. So I'm getting that analytics should be easier to understand for the person. And we're talking about people who use Tender tend to be <laughs> tend to tend to be small business owners. I would assume. Yeah, small to mid-sized companies. Um, there's there's definitely a point at where the larger you get, the less useful uh, ten becomes because we do place so much emphasis on either individuals or groups of individuals. So yeah, it's it's small to mid-sized companies. Great, and so sometimes these people don't have you know tons of time to sit in their analytics and try to figure it out. They want the they want the most important information right away. That's right. Yeah, and, I mean, a lot of it really does come down to simplicity and intuition, you know, just showing, say, ah, okay, this, this makes sense. Now I can kind of understand. Now, you know, we do have a search component to our product, which allows people to dig really, really deeply into their data. But really what we're trying to do is almost introduce to people analytics who have been, had an allergic reaction to it before of say, Hey, look, when that first few contacts start rolling in and they see it, like, oh wow, okay, I can I see how this how this works now. So that's kind of our our goal, um, you know. And we even you know we will refer people to other analytics packages if they're a certain size or have a certain need. Um, you know, like a high volume e commerce company for us, it it doesn't it's not usually a fit. But if you're a you know a smaller company or if you have high ticket items, then it's usually a really good fit. High ticket items with a longer sales cycle, maybe? That's right. Yeah. So, and usually there's a correlation that the more expensive, you know, the more trust that needs to be conveyed. Uh, so th- there's usually longer uh, sales cycle, marketing cycle there. So yeah, those, those tend to be better fits for us. So we find this to be true in a lot of businesses where people-based marketing makes a lot of sense. Like you said, high lifetime value, long sales cycle, or sometimes it could be an e-commerce company or something that maybe the lifetime value doesn't have to be as high, but the the focus on a reorder rate and getting people to have a long longer term relationship with your business, it's the sort of thing where you really want to have cross-device or people-based analytics of some sort so you can understand that picture. Right. Yeah, we had that aha moment that Ryan's referring to, you know, one of our first lunches where we met, uh, we threw 10 on matchnode.com. And we do have a, uh, we do have a long sales cycle and, and a high value of the people who become our clients. So this I find to be true of a lot of cross device tracking and analytics that you want to invest in is that it does take some time to see like a full cycle happen. So we, we put the 10 code on our site and then Frankly, forgot about it. Nine months later, after another time where we bumped into you, he came back and looked at it. And I was like, whoa, look at this. It was like, in the last you know, eight months, these five or six new clients that we got, we could see there, like, it just showed to me so much more clearly than I'd ever seen in GA that this is where the people came from. This is where we need to focus. Awesome. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of the nitty gritty of cross-device tracking. Um, there are a couple of different ways to do it. When some people think about cross-device tracking, maybe the easiest way to, to to start thinking about it is to think of Google and Facebook because a lot of people are signed into Facebook or Google all the time on multiple devices. So it's very easy for Google to know that I'm Chris and I have this laptop that I use at work and I have a tablet that I use at home and I have a phone that I'm walking around with all the time because I sign into those services and stay signed in. There's a There's a whole other 
uh, giant world out there, businesses that aren't Facebook and Google that need to understand people-based analytics and, and who the people are behind their visits for the reasons we've been discussing. So if you're not Facebook and Google, how do you do it? We actually have a, a similar approach to Facebook and Google. I mean, the issue, well, the way that we do it is this. So if uh, somebody goes to a, a website, um, they're anonymous. If they don't, as long as they don't do anything, they click around on some pages, they come from an ad, they're anonymous. They come back later, they're anonymous. When they enter their email into any form field onto a, the website, then we now identify them. We associate that email uh, with that person uh, and then also show some profile information on that person. If they, that person also has been visiting from their phone, um, they are anonymous up until the point where they enter their email into any form field using their phone. So if, if they do that, then we merge those two, those two devices so that you can see one profile. So usually, what we have found is that usually, if people are visiting multiple times from a site or any kind of significant uh, times to a website on both devices, they will end up you know, logging in um, at some point on, on both of those devices. So that, that's kind of how we do it. It's not perfect. But also, you know, nothing can be perfect unless you have ubiquitous sort of data, uh, so which which nobody has. So it's not perfect, but it works pretty well in in merging those those profiles. So uh, in the case of the two anonymous visits that happen before they enter their before they enter their email address in the third visit in this example, those two anonymous visits, do those get linked? Do you recognize that it was the same device and the same person when that third visit happens and you connect them all? Yes. Yeah, so as long as there are, there's a lot, as long as we know that that mobile device belongs to that person, then yes, it's all, it's all tied together. Uh, we just have to have that one, that one piece of, of information. Before, before that, we know that it's all one user. We just don't know who that user is. Right. So you, so you could visit 75 times from the same machine and you would show Oh, this same machine, and you probably have like a random identifier of that machine has visited 75 times, but they've never signed up. They've never put their email address in. So you're just like, this is an anonymous user who keeps coming back 75 times over a year. That's right. Yep. And if on the 76th visit, I decide that I'm going to sign up because I want to get your newsletter or I buy the you know thing that you're selling. Now, all of a sudden, you have 76 visits that all have my email address. That's right. Yep. And they might, I might have visited... Uh, from Facebook, I might have visited, you know, from you know, Google search, I might have a ton of direct visits, and all of those will sit under my email address. That's correct. Yep. Now, it, then there's another device that has 20 visits over the same time period, and it's a different device. When I sign in on that device, that's when it all gets kind of connected to one another, and it shows this person with my email address that has these two devices and all these different visits from all these different sources. That's correct. Yep. Cool. Um, so I think that's clear. That is a lot like Facebook and Google. It's because you are signed in on that website on different devices. I think that makes intuitive sense how that, how that works. There's a deeper and slightly different uh, way to do this that some people are attempting. I'm not quite sure how Deep 10 goes into this area, but we've heard it termed as probabilistic matching rather than uh, deterministic, which would be when you put your email address in, that's a pretty, pretty clear moment that you are saying that I'm this person in this, and I'm on this device. But the probabilistic angle combines kind of other fingerprints that you leave around the web and you have on your machine. Can you uh, expand a little bit on that and how that kind of works? Sure. So 
part of this is that we don't exclusively rely on cookies um, because, you know, cookies, people clear their cookies from time to time. Uh, so it's not, it's not perfect. Um, now, what, so what we do is, is we use a combination of, of different factors and my business partner is more technical, so he can get super deep, but the, the basic way that it, works is that we combine, uh, say, browser settings and device settings and IP address and a few other things. And we say, this is one person. So as long as most of the, the factors are the same, we have a very high confidence that it's the same person. And that's, you know, that's kind of what you're talking about there a little bit with the probabilistic analysis of, of who that one individual, I'm sorry, that that is one individual. Now, mm-hmm. we don't make any attempts to identify that person until they have volunteered their information. Um, and to us, that's just a line of it's, it's kind of, you know, once they provide an email address and they're saying, yes, I'm this person and I agree to, you know, uh, I, I'm agreeing to be identified. And so they're kind of saying, you know, it, it's game on. So we will never make an attempt to identify people prior to that moment. It's kind of like an opt-in moment where you're saying, it's cool that you know who I am, this is who I am, I'm willing to trade my identification for whatever it is you're offering me. That's right, yep. So somebody opts in, that's cool. Um, I guess though, there are some businesses out there that don't ever get the person's information and, and what's kind of interesting and maybe out on the edge of these cases a little bit more is, and and not something that Tend does, but if I sign into say Chrome on a couple different devices, if I have a work computer and a computer at home, all of my Chrome settings and all of my extensions and all of my cookies even can pass from one version of the browser to the other, same browser now across two different devices. That's the kind of thing that some people can use, not to know that you know I'm Chris, but just to know that these two devices likely belong to the same person. Right. So this is an interesting thing that I think has a lot of implications in the future as as these kind of extensions of our you know psyches and consciousnesses that come through our devices start to get more and more embedded in our lives that different companies are going to be able to figure out who you are and so is this creepy yeah this is this is a really good interesting philosophical question and you know it depends, right? I mean, it depends on how it's used partially. Um, it depends on how we look at it as a society as well. But simple kind of uh, to w- a way to think about it is, you know, if you, let's say you go to a store and you talk to a clerk and you have an interaction with them, you talk to them, you leave, and then, you know, they send you like a thank you note uh, later. I mean, is that creepy? We don't think of it as creepy only because, that's just like a normal thing that, that we, think, we think about. Right. Well, this technology is all new, so almost a lot of it just feels creepy. Like the idea of it feels creepy. And yet, at the same time, uh, when we return to Facebook and we're automatic, automatically logged in, like that doesn't seem creepy. You know, posting pictures of our kids publicly online now doesn't seem creepy, although if you would have talked about that 20 years ago, people would have thought you were crazy to share your, you know, your location and your pictures and your video and intimate, you know, details of your life with the public, that would have been creepy. So I I don't know that there's an answer. I I do think that there's a danger that that companies need to be aware of in, you know, being responsible with the data that they collect and the data that they and how they use it. 
um, I think that's a that's a pretty big you know kind of uh, responsibility. You know the the thing that I I think about a lot is that there are a lot of people who advocate for total privacy, and I think that's like a good discussion to have. Like that's a good thing for us to all work out is how we want to do that. But that also has costs, you know. So if you had a totally anonymous, say, browsing experience. Every time you went back to Amazon, you would have to, you know, log in again. You would, your, you know, things wouldn't be as customized. You wouldn't have, you know, things wouldn't be shown as in a, as optimal of a way. Your the ads that you'd see would be different. And so there's there's a cost to it. And also, you know, the the other sort of thing about this is that the web has decided to go on this sort of freemium model which is, I want Facebook, I want all the features of Facebook, it's great, and I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. I want to read the news, I want it to be good, and I don't want to pay for it. And all the applications that we use that are like that. So, you know, as a sort of society, we have to decide, well, do we actually want total privacy? And if we want those things still, like Facebook, are we willing to pay for it? Or are we willing to, you know, sell pieces of uh, information essentially, so that we don't have, so that it subsidizes that, and yeah. that that's kind of where we're at. So I mean, there's a there's a real trade off there. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine what would happen if Facebook announced that they weren't going to run ads and everybody would love it, and then like the next day the follow up is that it now costs twenty dollars a month. Right. <laughs> exactly. Give me my face. This is my Facebook page. Well, no, it's not actually your Facebook page. It's Facebook's the, the sandbox that you're playing in. I think it's something that people need to be care- careful about and businesses need to be responsible with with doing things that are in line with the people with, with expectations of the people who are using your site or or visiting your site. I mean it, I know there are companies that they essentially specialize in sort of guessing who's on your website without that person giving any kind of, you know, uh information. I mean they do it based on IP address and a, bunch of other factors. And the thing to me about that is that for some companies, like if you just forget about the privacy aspects, for some companies that might be useful. So if you're working a client and you see somebody from Ford Motor Company is on your website, okay, that that might be useful to you. But in and people, we get asked this quite a bit too. Um, if we can show them all the people who are on their site before they've provided any information. And even if that's like technically possible, I actually don't know how useful that is. So if you all of a sudden starting today knew that, you know, there were thousands of people on your website and you knew the identities of all of them, I don't know that that helps you a lot. No, because what are you going to do? Reach out to me like I saw you on my website. I'd be like, so? Right, exactly. That's right. So, I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, the, the thing that a lot of consumers should understand is that almost no businesses cared a lot about your personal identity, they care more about the characteristics that, that come with it, you know, meaning like, are you going to give them more money, essentially is yeah. what it comes down to and how to, you know, it, it, so and how to how to do that. So the personal identity is really just a, it's a byproduct. It's not actually what people are, are going after. Right, right. Well, it is a super interesting discussion. I mean, I think it's important for people to be realistic about the fact that all, all these things we get for free, quote unquote, free online, um, I've seen it written or said that if you're not paying for the product, then you're, you are the product, your data is the product and the information that you're sharing is the product. So it's a super interesting discussion. The federal government has now commented on it and released a report that the, F- the FTC put out 
last week. We're in February now, and they kind of summarize some of the things that that Ryan has been uh, touching on here, which is there's pros and cons. You can get a much better internet browsing experience. You're going to get more relevant ads. You're you're going to not have to constantly sign in every single time you visit Amazon five times per day. But then there's, of course, a downside where this sort of privacy and people not really understanding what that trade-off is and especially implications for the future. So we'll throw that some of these items in the show notes as Ryan, uh, Ryan's been talking about different kind of views of how you see a person versus a bunch of web visits. We'll throw some screenshots from that into the show notes. And uh, Ryan, we super appreciate you joining us. Is there anything else you would love to mention about tens.io or anything else before we uh, wrap up? Uh, I think that's it. We, we covered a lot of ground. So yeah, the, the site is just 10.io. If anyone wants to take a look at that. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Just my handle is just Ryan Evans. Uh, so I'm happy to, to chat with folks. And, uh, you know, I love, I love talking about business. It's kind of, kind of my sports. So anytime <laughs> anyone wants to talk, I'm game. Yeah, please, please hit up Ryan. Please try out Tend. And always uh, feel free to reach out to us at Matchnode if you have any questions or thoughts. We'd love to hear your thoughts on cross-device tracking, people tracking. Is this creepy? Do you know this is going on? Uh, are you happy with the trade-offs? Uh, thanks again for joining us, Ryan. We super appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, Chris. 